I like big lizards and I cannot lie. You archaeologists can't deny. This is a story about a girl named Molly. Goes around off the trolley. Drinks cider and a dolly. She can't get over you. There's nothing that she will do. Now she's off-sitting glue. So this week on the Little Gloss Podcast, we've got something a little bit different. Um, Jack is back. Say hi, Jack. Hello, everybody. I'm <laughs> back again. But it's not just going to be a conversation. It's actually going to be the Ossipanko Chambers debate on monsters, where Jack is going to bring his science to compete with my Mandy logic. So <laughs> good luck to you, sir, on that one. <laughs> good luck to you, madam. <laughs> Um, basically we're going to be talking because it's coming up to Halloween and I wanted to do something on monsters and we kind of talked about it a little bit on the time travel sandwiches podcast, the infamous time travel sandwiches podcast (laughs) (laughs) about Nessie and aliens, but specifically this one's going to be broken down to cryptids. Um, so we're going to be talking about Nessie, Bigfoot slash Yeti and the Chupacabra and then, uh, mythical beasts. Even though Jack thinks everyone's mythical. <laughs> um, Kraken, unicorn, and dragon. So it's going to be kind of like a little debate. I mean, we'll each kind of talk a little bit about why we think that these either exist or don't exist and why. And I'm guessing we'll probably just leave it up to either the listeners to decide or, you know, we've convinced the other person at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the idea of the, the listeners you know, tweeting at us and letting us know who we think won each Although monster and who won overall. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever gives me feedback. <laughs> but maybe now they will. <laughs> there will be a prize in it, maybe. <laughs> I'll we'll send you some gifts. <laughs> exactly, we'll send you some Loch Ness Monster plushies or something. <laughs> yeah. Pick a random person who actually, like, gives us feedback. <laughs> <laughs> but only if I win. <laughs> Yeah, if I win, you get nothing. Wait a minute, no. That, that skews it in your favour, damn it. Exactly. I see you playing the politics already, Osipenko. Yeah, well, it's my podcast. Yeah, that's true. Do what I want. You do what you want on your podcast. <laughs> so, cryptids, first one, probably, I think, one of like the biggest well-known ones, um, Nessie. So as you are the guest, I will let you go first, and you can try and convince me why Nessie doesn't exist. Well, we actually did. This is the one we kind of tackled the most on the Time Travel Sandwiches podcast, isn't it? And uh, your argument was that she was sneaky. Yeah. Was your exact words. (laughs) Um, I have actually done some research because I'm a man of science, and that's what we men of science do. And um, there have been a lot of sightings, a lot of supposed footage and all that sort of stuff, and... Almost all of it that has ever been recorded has been debunked in some way. And even companies like the BBC over here in England, um, away in the UK, so up in Scotland as well, um, and programs from other TV series like um, Channel 4 and a few other TV companies have done the kind of equivalent of searching for Bigfoot, but searching for the Loch Ness Monster. And there was a series in 2003 on the BBC called Searching for the Loch Ness Monster. And... They did extensive satellite tracking and sonar 
like uh, mapping of the entire lock and they had uh, the small enough resolution was to pick up small uh, what you North Americans call buoys which would be we call a buoy so it, it had a resolution of less than a meter and no animal of any substantial size was found in the entire lock and basically the people there and they even had um, you know supporters of Nessie and, and her existence and things like that and it, that was one of the things that actually convinced a few of them to kind of you know, calm down. And there have been significantly less sightings in the last 10, 11 years since that program was broadcast in 2003. So pretty much technology has gotten to the point where we can successfully map an entire lock and the the tunnels and shit that you mentioned last time, Mandy. Um, <laughs> but there is pretty much nothing larger than a fish in that entire lock. There are There are no, like, native crocodile species, nothing like that. There was pretty much nothing that could possibly be mistaken for, you know, a large, you know, Jurassic-era prehistoric creature. And they've pretty much definitively mapped the whole thing. And if, if that's not, you know... And they've done it multiple times as well. That was the main time they did it in 2003, and that was actually filmed. But they have done it a couple of times since as well. Uh, like, individuals who are who are keen on this sort of thing have gone and done it, you know, not with the BBC and things like that, so... I mean, there's no evidence. There's never been any, you know, dead bodies or things with big bite chunks out of it or anything like that or anything weird. So I think it's just a, just a myth, just a legend. But see, with my argument is she's not there all the time. That's why you can't find her. Because there is those tunnels, and I've seen them on documentaries. I can't remember which one offhand. But... They connect to the ocean, and that's why you can't find her. So they go and they do the research, and she's not actually in there when they're doing it. She just comes in there once in a while, probably lives way down in the depths of the ocean, and just comes to visit or hang out in it. <laughs> I mean, people have been seeing this mythical beast <laughs> there for, you know, hundreds of years probably, if not longer than that. And with the creature that she supposedly is being, you know, one of those, the dinosaurs, the swimming yeah, aquatic ones. A, a plesiosaur. Yeah. yeah. And there's sightings of those same type of creatures in other big giant inlet lakes around the world. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that maybe there is some. There's the argument that I like to bring up is the coelacanth, which, you know, the fish that they thought was extinct, but there was a little remote village off the coast of Africa or Indonesia somewhere, um, and they were catching it and just eating it as a regular fish for years until researchers went down and realized that, hey, this is a dinosaur, and we thought it went extinct, you know, millions of years ago, so why couldn't Nessie be a dinosaur that's extinct and you just can't catch her? <laughs> and not just because she's tricky, but because I don't think she stays in Loch Ness all the time. And that would kind of explain the sightings around the rest of the world, too, because if they are actually down at the bottom of the ocean, where we know, like, you know, very little of what's down the very deep depths of it, then there could be, like, pods of them that live down in the ocean, and they just go into these inlet lakes just to kind of explore or wherever. 
I mean, they used to track uh, great white sharks and, you know, see where they would go off to bait and lose them in the ocean. And then they'd come back down to the southern parts of the ocean and they'd see them there and they didn't always know where they were going. Could be living somewhere down in the deep parts of the middle of the ocean. And when they go and do the research in the lock, she's just not there at that time. <laughs> but they have done multiple searches throughout the years and it would seem quite you know unless she spends like 90 percent of her time out in the ocean rather than you know in the lock then but then again are you suggesting there's like a like a colony of these plesiosaur type animals like existing and they all gather in the deep no. depths of the ocean and yes. stuff yeah because then that would explain all the sightings of the ones like in Canada. There's one in Okanagan, BC called Ogopogo, which is basically the same kind of thing as Nessie. You know, the really long neck and the little head, and they see it in the lake there. Um, and there's one in, I believe it's in uh, Lake Champlain Champ in Michigan, I believe, in the States. And it's the same kind of thing again. And these ones in North America. So if they're in. North America, and then there's the same kind of one over in Scotland, then maybe they are meeting up somewhere in the ocean. It could even be, like, way up in the Arctic Ocean, underneath the ice, because they're way down in the depths, and then they just go to the little lakes around the world. <laughs> because there is sightings in other parts of the world. Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of the stuff, I mean, we're going to get onto this very much with the, the mythical <laughs> stuff, but um, the the kind of inherent fear humanity has of things like large lizards and large predators and stuff like that. It's just a part of our, you know, for want of a better phrase, like our genes and the fact that we've learned to fear things like sharks and snakes and those kind of animals inherently are evil to us in, in religious senses as well. Um, Things like large, particularly water creatures, where we—that's not our natural habitat. Is there anything scarier than you know being out in deep <laughs> water and seeing a large predator coming towards you, like a huge shark? You may not necessarily be scared of sharks, but if you're in their habitat, you are kind of screwed. And I mean, the, the same is kind of true for things that you know were in big lakes and things like that as well. But the chances, uh, the the first sort of. Um, like modern era rumors and stuff that happened with Loch Ness Monster were hanging around in the sort of early 19th century and 1933. And the fact that, you know, plesiosaurs don't tend to live for that long. Their, their lifespan wasn't, you know, up, it wasn't really equivalent to humans. I think it was sort of 60 or 70 years or so. The fact that there may be like, you'd think we would see, if they're, especially if they're multiple ones, like, breeding. I, I mean, and they weren't hugely <laughs> deep water creatures either, so, I don't know. They, they weren't like... <laughs> <laughs> don't start trying to bring evolution into this, Mandy. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the original plesiosaurs, there's, there's two different kinds, kinds of plesiosaurs, and um, there's kind of the, the really, really huge ones... And then the slightly, by, by slightly smaller, I still mean like 10 feet, 15 <laughs> feet long. But there's the like 15 meter ones, which were fucking giant. Um, but if there were things that big, I understand that, you know, we haven't, um, you know, mapped the bottom of the ocean and stuff like that. But these weren't typically 
creatures that that bred and reproduced in really deep waters. So it's not. I guess they could have evolved, but it seems a bit of a weird thing that because they don't know we're looking for them. They're not <laughs> conscious of the fact that we're out there looking for Nessie or whatever. She wouldn't know that we're just showing up with our sonar gear and stuff and and you know satellite maps and stuff like that so the fact it's that they're like are... oh shit motor here <laughs> exactly yeah yeah uh oh here come the crazy guys again better get better get back into deep waters uh but yeah yeah i i think something of that size especially if it is the the bigger kind which is the um the plesiosaur rather than the plesiosaur um that be something we basically couldn't miss going out into the ocean or coming back and there would be, you know, all this sort of anecdotal evidence and stuff. That's kind of a rule in science is you don't take eyewitness testimony as much because the human brain, we, we see shapes in clouds and stuff. You like, you can look up in the sky and see faces and see faces in rocks and stuff like that. And the human brain wants to make sense of chaos and nonsense. And the, the fact that we kind of will look out into a body of water and see a wave that kind of looks like something and think, ah, it's a giant monster or something like that. It's all kind of tying into our natural fears and our natural brains, you know, concept of trying to organize and make sense of the world and things like that. So I think it is just kind of humans trying to make sense of seeing something weird or seeing a particularly large twig or branch or a fish jump out of the water and do this or whatever. And it's us just trying to combining our, you know, our fears of large animals and stuff like that. And there is a history of us really liking myths and legends and the whole concept of dragons, which we'll talk about later on, that's a really interesting thing that has spread itself throughout humanity. And it's it's not just a localised thing, but the fact that it's spread across the world also doesn't mean... It means we're all equally human, rather than the fact that there may be different things spread out across the world. But it's strange that people would automatically go to something that looks, you know, the same and not just, like, other water creatures, or why specifically something with the long neck and the little head because you know you're thinking of like bigger bodies of water you're probably thinking of stuff more like whale or shark that aren't built that way rather than something that looks like a serpent i suppose so yeah but um sharks are you know um tend to be sea like saltwater creatures and most most animals tend to to stick to either salt water or fresh water um obviously there are many exceptions but for the most part particularly the ones that live very very deep down um they tend to stick to just the deep down and they're very much adapted to live just under under deep you know seawater and darkness and stuff like that but i see what you mean about but then again that that kind of ties into the fact that it's that snake-like giant lizard kind of thing that that crops up quite a lot. Dragons, again, we're going to get to, is, is a common example of us seeing a large thing. Because it's so, it's kind of simultaneously so inhuman as well. It's so different to our anatomy and so different to the way we operate as bipedal mammals that it kind of, it plays into what the hell is that kind of thing. When you first see, like, a let's say a Kodo dragon, a dragon that really does exist, they are big, they are scary, they look nothing like humans. You can't even imagine how nasty it is to get bitten by them. They've got all their horrible toxins and shit like that as well. And 
things like sharks as well. They're so different to us and they're so intimidating and so predatory that a big thing like a plesiosaur is very much in that similar vein and it's inherently part of our, our kind of brain and things like that. And the, the fact that the plesiosaur would, were discovered, you know, two, three hundred years before Nessie fossils were found two or three hundred years before Nessie was first sort of not first, because there was kind of rumours for a while, but the first, like, modern sightings in the last few hundred years were, like I said, in 1933. And Plesiosaurs fossils have been around since the 1600s. So I think it may just be people knowing about that sort of thing and just kind of putting it in their brain, like, well, I saw something and it was must have been a giant dinosaur thing. I think that's something that's, like, very specific for them to think of in a big leak. Like, why would they automatically think, hey, it's something that looks like this dinosaur and not something that looks more like a fish and something that they're used to. But fishes don't come to the surface. So they they wouldn't see, like, a big, large reptile kind of thing. And uh, to be honest, plesiosaurs very rarely came to the surface either. They don't breathe air, so that doesn't really make sense. Um, they're an entirely, you know, underwater creature. So... Yeah, what if I'm... the one that people are seeing is the lookout for the rest of the pod? <laughs> it's the scout, and it goes into these lakes. How, how did and, I not think of that? Yeah, and that's why it's the one that's on the surface because it's checking things out, and then it sees people, and it's like, oh shit, and then it like fucks off back to the ocean to report back to the pod. So it could be, diff- it, it on could be different ones. Yeah, the the monitor plesiosaurs they come out and yeah. Yeah. They're the ones, they're the, the lookouts, and that's why they're just chilling in the lakes, looking at everything, they're monitoring stuff. And then they go back to their pod and report back to them. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, it's going to be hard to defeat my Mandy Lodge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I that's what I think about Nessie. That maybe those ones are just the, the lookouts, and they report back. I still think there's a pod of them that live in the ocean. That's why they're seen in all these lakes. Fair enough. But I've yet to see any convincing evidence. I need to see physical evidence to believe in stuff. As as a man of science, I want I want DNA samples, I want bones, I want something like that. And until then I'm I'm not gonna be a believer. Well, do you believe in air? Yes. <laughs> do you see air? No, but we can see air. You can <laughs> take samples of air. We know what air is made of. What about space? Also kind of know what space is made of. Do you believe that Jupiter's there? Yes. But have you seen physical evidence of Jupiter? I've seen Jupiter in the sky, yes. But physical evidence that it's not just an illusion in space. I mean, it could be an illusion. (laughs) If we want to go that far, if we want to get really mental, this is all a computer program and nothing is real. What if we're just dolls? And someone's playing with everybody because exactly. dolls will see the hand behind them. We're all we're all puppets, just being dragged along by our strings. Yeah, see that's all deep, man. We're getting, we're getting deep. <laughs> it's all gone a bit of Fight Club. <laughs> when it was just Nessie, and that was just the first one. <laughs> okay, we'll move on to the second one. Bigfoot slash Yeti slash I guess you know 
Sasquatch. The Abominable Snowman. Yeah, the, the... Which is my personal favorite name, because of that is... Abominable is such a good word. <laughs> and that's the only time you ever really get to hear it. Seriously. Like, that's how I learned about that word, and I don't think I've used it in any other context since. No, like, where are you going to use that in your day-to-day life? <laughs> um, you know, my friend was being a real dick today. He was so abominable. <laughs> what? Exactly. <laughs> but, so, okay, Bigfoot, Tasquatch, Yeti, Abominable. <laughs> it's too early for me to say it. <laughs> um... Basically, what people kind of almost regard as the missing link between humans and apes. Go. <laughs> um, one of my favorite moments in um, Futurama is the hyper-evolved Planet of the Apes, which is an obvious reference to Planet of the Apes. Um, and they are highly religious and argue that the race of apes and the humans have not evolved from apes. And they argue with Professor Farnsworth. They're their equivalent of Professor Farnsworth, who's this big orangutan guy. And he says, there has been no discovery of the missing link between humans and apes. And Professor Farnsworth goes, yes, there was. We found it in 2081. And then he gets the, the skull out of it. He's like, ah, but there's been no missing link between that and the previous apes. He's like, yes, there was. We found that in 2092. And he goes on and goes on. And then it kind of does a little montage. And there's a lineup of like a thousand skulls. It's like, but where was the missing link between... The 500 skull and the 501st skull. <laughs> and um, to be fair, Bigfoot, to me, is the most believable of the three we're going to talk about. It's the one I have the most, you know, not faith, because I don't really have faith, but <laughs> I, I find it the most... <laughs> exactly. You need that on a T-shirt or a bumper sticker or something. Um, I'm sure people do. Um, but there's creatures like Gigantopithecus, which is basically a Bigfoot. It's a, um ancient ape, like, I think it was like, came around a few million years ago and then was as as recent as a few hundred thousand years ago. And having a, a small kind of, um, I don't know, like, not a pod, but like a group, a herd of them or something like that. It's <laughs> possible because... We don't know, we know more about like a lake or whatever or the, anything like that rather than, you know, some rainforests. We have done pretty extensive and as, as a, as Western society, we're pretty horrible and have been kind of ruining, um, rainforests for quite a while now. But the fact that Gigantopithecus definitely existed and existed in the areas in kind of Asia and lots of different bits and back, you know, a few million years ago, the, the land mass was much closer together with the, the, the land masses, the continents as we know them have split apart from what once was millions and millions of years ago, a supercontinent. So it is possible that things like large apes and things like that were kind of, and there's a, a thing called the Bering Strait or something like that. That's an area that leads that that was where Asia and like North America as we know it kind of lined up and that's the the bit down the middle there and blah blah blah. I'm I'm, I'm assuming I'm getting this all wrong. This is completely from memory. No, that's um, right because it's where Alaska meets Russia. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. Um, and that's 
that's kind of the area where some of the fossils have been found for Gigantopithecus and, and similar, like, large apes and things like that. Um, there are three different species of, of that ape as well, and they're all kind of varying sizes and stuff like that. So it's possible that there could be a, a, a small group of large apes, but again, with the, it's the whole small group of them reproducing for so long. That's the kind of thing that, that got me with the Loch Ness Monster as well, the fact that there would have to be multiple ones for them to still exist. Because, you know, we have tigers and things like that and really and endangered animals that have, you know, a matter of dozens of creatures in, in the entire world. And they're struggling to, to keep alive because we keep going through and ruining their habitats and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's possible, but once again, all the evidence has all been hoaxes, and it's just like this is this is bear fur, this is um, this is bear poop, like all sorts <laughs> of stuff. There's yet to be any convincing evidence, and I've watched quite a few different shows. I refuse to watch Looking for Bigfoot or whatever that TV show is. Oh, that's horrible. Because, because if they do, because <laughs> things like that, like searching for UFOs and stuff, if they did find it, it would be all over the news and one of the biggest discoveries of the modern age. Like, if somebody actually found Bigfoot on that show, it would not just be on some random, <laughs> you know, Channel 335 yeah. or something. It would be on national news across the world, international news, not just some random hicks in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota <laughs> crawling through the <laughs> fucking forests and stuff like that. But, yeah, like, again, there's no actual physical evidence. There's been lots and lots of things that people have thought were physical evidence but there's nothing that actually points to it and they've done lots of DNA testing and stuff like that so still nothing but to me is the most plausible of the three. So you believe in Bigfoot? No. <laughs> you want to believe in Bigfoot? Maybe. <laughs> so so what, what, do you, what do you think then Mandy? What's your opinion on Bigfoot? My argument for Bigfoot is um, kind of what you touched on a little bit too with the rainforest Almost every year, it seems like they're discovering new animals and new species in the rainforest that they didn't know were there before. That's um, a really good point. Yeah, definitely. You know, either like living up in the canopy, they could be small ones, they could be bugs, but there is mammals. And they have discovered, you know, smaller primates and such, even in like recent years. So Bigfoot could just be, you know, in the undiscovered part of the rainforest. There is parts that are still super thick that people don't get to. There are still those tribes of nomads and the little groups that live there in the rainforest that no one has ever seen they just kind of like hear about them or bigfoot could be you know up in the canopy in the trees being the primate that it is but i also think that because back when humans evolved and there was that split you know where there was like the two i think it was like what homo habilis and Homo erectus or something. Yeah. You're probably yep. wrong. <laughs> but where it split so the ones that we evolved from kept going and the other one kind of died off. What if that was the one that, you know, they kind of just kept going and that's what evolved into, eventually into Bigfoot and they live in, you know, these areas and that's, you know, why they may not be found. I mean, another one, it's again all across the world. There are some that are very specific to areas. You know, like the Chupacabra, which we're going to get to next, is very specific to Mexico. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, you know, Bonneville Snowman. Again, like Nessie, 
across the whole world, there's been sightings of them, of the big ape men that live in the forest. You know, they may not find physical evidence of them, but again, for hundreds of years, there's been sightings of the same type of thing across the whole world. So, I mean, it could be the other half of what evolved into humans, and then the other one is, is the apes, and they just kind of went about their way and learned to maybe stay hidden and hide from predators. I mean, wolverines are good at it too. Wolverines will stalk you through the bush and you'll never see them. So, you know, some mammals have that instinct. Yeah. <laughs> they have ninja are... skills. <laughs> <laughs> wolverines are the best at what they do and what they do isn't very nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... You know, so it could be down in the rainforest somewhere, and we just haven't got to that part of discovering it yet. And it could have enough intelligence, you know, may not be on the level of human intelligence, but have enough intelligence in its own species to kind of recognize humans as a threat and want to stay away from them and stay hidden from them. Yeah, yeah, and ape species have been shown to be able to recognize not only humans, but individual humans by their faces and things like that as well. So there's certainly, like, we haven't discovered the full extent of other species' intelligence and their intelligence for recognising us. And, you know, they have a lot of different ways of communicating as well that we aren't necessarily attuned to as humans as well. Um, but I think a lot of the kind of sights and sounds and stuff like that is mostly from people coming from a place of ignorance like they will hear i've never heard a bear in real life i've seen them on films and in documentaries and stuff but i can't imagine hearing like a grizzly bear roar in real life kind of thing or like and i don't know how it would sound like echoing through a forest or kind of muted if it's like raining or something like that or if it's dark and you're kind of really trying to attune your ears to the surroundings around you and stuff like that. I think it's people just hearing noises that they don't know what it is. So it's like, oh, that sounded like a giant ape or whatever. <laughs> I mean, there have been people that have heard, like, beating chests and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. It's crazy I, rednecks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and another thing, it could just be, you know, a community of humans, like some crazy, you know, guy living out in the wild. Just be some big hairy, hairy, I mean, you're Canadian, could be some big, like, lumberjack looking yeah. dude with a beard and his plaid shirt and his axe and stuff, just hanging out in the wilderness, <laughs> beating his chest and making noises and stuff, scaring people off. Like, there's some crazy homeless guy just trying to scare people away from his patch of the forest or something <laughs> like that. Bigfoot's a crazy homeless lumberjack. The, the abominable hobo. <laughs> That lives up in Canadian North. <laughs> but see, then why would it be across the whole world again? They have the Yeti, and that's like in Asia, and it's more mythical and like kind of regarded as like, you know, something that's been passed down for years of them seeing the Yeti. And then here we have like Bigfoot and Sasquatch. But it's the same kind of thing, and it's been adapted to the environment because Yeti's got white fur, Bigfoot's got brown fur. Yeah, I mean, animals, literally some animals do change the colour of their fur to go from different habitats and things like that. You've got things like Arctic foxes do things like that. So it's certainly possible that certain ape species could, in theory, do that as well. And once again, I think it kind of ties into the fact that a giant ape is kind of seen as 
an important thing to humanity. Like we want to know our origins. We want to know about the missing links and we want to know about species that existed at the same time as Homo erectus and all the, you know, previous other mammalian and, and, and great ape species and things like that. But I don't think, I, and I mean, if we're talking about habitats as well, things in, in, in Asia, there are huge areas of Asia and, you know, the, the, the tundras and things where you would typically get sightings of Yeti and stuff like that is again, very difficult to navigate most of the time. There's often like snowstorms and stuff, so you lose track of things like landmarks or where you're going or whatever. So it's easy to kind of get disoriented and not really know where you're going. In the same way that thick forest has that kind of effect as well. If you're in a snowstorm or if you're in a really thick forest and you can't see light and everything, you kind of start hallucinating and thinking about things. And that image of a huge ape is just inherent. Again, it's something that's kind of inherently threatening to us as pretty squishy little apes, really. We're, we're pretty unevolved to fight other apes like if you fought a chimpanzee hand to hand the chimpanzee will kill you horribly and you basically don't stand a chance chimpanzees are like 10 times stronger than us pound for pound muscle wise gorillas let's not even go there a gorilla could probably kill like 10 15 men barehanded without even thinking about it and it's just something that is inherently threatening and kind of a part of our again all part of our genes where we as a species developed alongside other ape species and we've been fighting and then as we recently discovered interbreeding with them as well so there are possibly some humans who are you know direct descendants of homo erectus and and things that we didn't think were our ancestors may actually be our ancestors and we've got this kind of built-in kind of genetic memory of knowing that you know if a homo erectus shows up he is a lot stronger than you a lot scarier than you know typical little sapien over there um so there's something we find inherently threatening and it's kind of been built into our into our natural instincts and stuff like that it kind of ties into the similar thing of you know snakes killed you when you were just hanging out being a homo sapien back in the day and now and then obviously gray apes kind of a community of gray apes would would be an equally kind of threat to our community and our society in like you know prehistoric times kind of thing so i think it all kind of stems from a similar sort of thing but maybe that's the reason that we're scared of them and that's why we're still scared of them because they did exist <laughs> and maybe passed down yeah. through our generations to be scared of bigfoot and sasquatch because it could literally just be exist. it could literally just be like a a lost group of gorillas that because there are certain species that have been split up um like perfect example with um different kinds of i think it was thrushes that um darwin was studying when he first came up with his idea of natural selection and stuff like that and their particular the same species of bird had been separated by a physical boundary so something like mountains or a sea or something like that the island splits apart or there's volcanic activity or whatever and they evolved in completely different ways there were certain kinds of nuts on one side of things and then there were certain kinds of fish on the other so one learnt to crack open nuts with its beak the other learnt to fish with its long like slender beak and stuff like that so it's possible that like gorillas a a type of gorilla has kind of gotten separated from its fellow gorillas and like a, a, a somewhat 
sizable community, maybe a few dozen or something like that, has been separated. Um, they've since evolved, I guess, into into something like Bigfoot. And I, I kind of, I'm kind of more familiar with Bigfoot just being from Western culture than I am with with things like Yeti and stuff. Like Yeti, like you said, seems more kind of like a mythical legend kind of thing. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it's possible, but. Once again, there's been no proper evidence, and some of the hoaxes have been fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just bloke, just blokes in gorilla suits, just wandering around, smiling and waving at the camera and stuff. What if it's Bigfoot putting on the hoaxes? I love, I love when, trail. I love when conspiracy theories get an own conspiracy within themselves. <laughs> like conspiracy, conspiracyception or something is. Yeah. It's we need, we, to we need to deeper. Trail. Bigfoot is like some genius, <laughs> and he's out there plotting all these hoaxes and stuff. Like, ah, let's dress that dude up in a gorilla suit; it'll be fine. Yep. Nobody, nobody will believe that. Exactly. But, um, <clears throat> to throw people off some, the trail. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's been some really good stories about Bigfoot and stuff. There's a great um, uh, comic series that came out a couple of years ago called Footprints, um, and that was essentially all the I think I might have mentioned it on the show before, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was all the the kind of cryptid animals all living together in society, including Nessie and Bigfoot. And Bigfoot and Yeti are actually brothers. And the the story kind of revolves around Bigfoot being a a noir detective. And he basically shaves himself uh, a little bit and pretends to be a big human um, and hides himself with a hat and, like, a big trench coat and stuff, being a classic noir detective. And Yeti gets killed at the beginning of the story, and it's kind of him, Bigfoot, um, going out and and finding the killer of his brother and stuff like that, and I love the idea that they they are living among us kind of thing, and he's a he's a genius, and he's just sat there twiddling his thumbs, thinking, "Yes, puny humans, <laughs> you think you think I exist in north of, you know the northwest of America, but I don't. <laughs> I'm living amongst you." Yeah, see, so it kind of makes sense. Maybe that's coming from reality. <laughs> I love, I love your maybe it's from reality <laughs> argument. It just doesn't make any sense. Maybe Bigfoot is that super genius, and that's like I said, he's just trying to throw people off his trail. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Of, of the three we're going to talk about, I, I, I feel I know the most about Bigfoot, and that it's kind of I've watched more things about it, and I find it the most plausible out of the three. But and that you, and that you want to believe in Bigfoot, kind of, yeah. <laughs> you want to believe like Mulder <laughs> Bigfoot's your aliens pretty much <laughs> we should definitely talk about aliens as well they're not on my list because they're they're a whole different thing okay we'll have a whole separate aliens <laughs> episode let's be honest that can be another debate <laughs> the aliens debate perfect <laughs> so the last one for cryptid then is the chupacabra and, again, you know, <clears throat> I haven't looked anything up. I'm just kind of going off the top of my head and what I think about them. But what do you think about Chupacabra? <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of Bigfoot. This is the one I know least about. Because, like you said, it's it's very localized to kind of Central and South America. Um, I mean, there have been people in, like, Russia and stuff, but just crazy. We don't know. We don't know what the Russians are up to these <laughs> days. Um Again, it, it, it's a lot more modern than the other ones as well. I, I was doing a, a bit of research before I came on, and it was only in like the 90s that this this thing kind of 
really kind of took off and people started talking about it. But I think, once again, it's kind of people's ignorance of how animals work and things like that. They, some dogs and stuff will completely, well, not maybe not literally dogs, but like those kind of like coyotes and jackals and those big kind of like wild feral dogs and stuff like that. They can, they can pretty much drain a body of blood pretty quickly. They go straight for the throat and the th- there's often, you know, large arteries and veins in the throat will empty an entire body of blood in a few seconds and then they will drag the body away and leave it somewhere so there's like, you know, no trail of blood, it's just kind of empty. And that's the kind of most plausible explanation I can think of. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's the, there's the whole... Um, com- like sucking it dry kind of thing and it's a, a full like skin stuck to the skeleton kind of thing which I uh, that's the bit I can't but I've yet to see any proper evidence for that either you just hear people talking about oh yeah my cows were completely drained of their blood and it's a, again I mean before, we're not going to get onto aliens but <laughs> it's it's almost always crazy hillbillies or crazy, like, ranch hands or whatever, or, you know, people who are maybe not the most sane and switched-on people down in Mexico either coming up with these crazy stories. I think it's just part of humanity we want to tell crazy stories. Like, it's exciting to say, like, oh, my granddaddy, he lost three cow to that chupacabra out there. And um, I, just, I just think we like telling stories and we like making up characters and stuff like that. As a, as a writer and a storyteller myself, I know I do. And I know it's something that is it's how we passed on our information for generations before we even invented writing and stuff like that. It's, it's so kind of inherent in our existence as humans. I think we just like telling stories and it, it's a bit more exciting rather than just sitting out there. Imagine just sitting out there with like a hundred cows all day, every day, all year round be so boring or you could come up with this monster that vampire them. little bear thing that just eats them and is insane and scary that makes everything a lot more exciting but see i think that it could exist and your argument with the dogs draining them and like just dragging it away they don't do that cats are pretty much the only thing that kill just to kill and wild dogs or if it's hyenas or any kind of other like coyotes or that they would be eating them they wouldn't just be draining them of the blood and dragging the body around they'd actually be eating it that's a good point maybe something scared them away though repeatedly all the time i mean it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't happen that often it happens like a few times (laughs) a year at most so that's not that out of all the the things that are killed by dogs and coyotes and stuff they, they kill, like, probably hundreds of thousands of things a year. It's very unlikely that... I mean, sorry, it, it's very likely that a couple of times they could be scared off by other things or something starts hunting them or something like that. And the kind of thing that, um, like, people keep finding dead chupacabras and stuff like that, and there's some really famous, you know, photos of them and people got them on the front of their car and stuff like that. All of them have been proved to be, like... This is a coyote with mange. Like, right. And this is a dog with mange. Okay. This is a raccoon with rabies. We're like, okay, fine. And there's even things like the little, um, Mexican hairless dogs and stuff like that. 
and there was there was a wild one not too long ago that was just kind of grown fur but not really grown fur and it looked really creepy and it basically looked like a little chupacabra type thing and <laughs> little, it's, it's, little wild chihuahuas exactly yeah <laughs> little crazy wild chihuahuas that are just tearing up your cattle all over the world apparently just draining them of blood and leaving them there yeah see but there's no like actual animals that do that they would eat them and they wouldn't just always be getting scared away and there's not really animals that drain other animals of their blood yeah, almost no animal literally just drains an entire thing of of blood. Like, the things we think of when we think of, like, vampiric qualities are not very accurate to the actual, like, vamp- for example, vampire bats is the, obviously the most e- yeah. famous example. They, they just sit there and drink the blood a little bit. Yeah, they, they make a cut with their teeth, and then their saliva has, um, like, a, a, essentially a pain-killing thing, and it totally numbs that area of it out. And they just make a little cut and then lick the cut a lot, basically. They're not like ticks. They don't just latch on and then suck all the blood and swell up. But there are no mammals that, like, totally drain of blood. And there's things like it's a little, whether it's a little reptile kind of thing, because some of the things have, like, claws, kind of like like a lizard or something, little spines on their backs and stuff like that. Or is it a little like bear type thing, a little kind of mammalian thing. It, it, they, it seems to be the least, particularly because it's modern, I think it's the least kind of um, developed of the three of them as well. I think, again, too, because you look at, like, what's in Mexico and there's a lot of nothingness in the forest and stuff there, so it could just be a species that's living there undiscovered in South America. It could have come up from sur- further in South America in the rainforest. And it's just feeding on the blood of cows and goats. <laughs> yeah. And I not mean, eating them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but cane, like you said, canids and stuff like that are known for eating. They, they kill something and then they eat the flesh. That's what dogs do. That's what all sorts of, you know, coyotes and all that sort of stuff. Nothing drains the blood. And there's been pretty much no evidence, to my knowledge, and I'm, obviously I'm not the most researched person in this, but to my knowledge there's no sort of canids that have been known to to drain the blood entirely. And there doesn't really seem to be any evidence to suggest that there, there ever was or that there has been or anything like that. But, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's the one I know the <laughs> least about, so my, my argument's kind of... Yeah, the least, least, least worked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to the mythical ones then. Okay. <laughs> and I kind of suspect that our arguments are probably pretty similar on these, just based on what my ideas are. But the first one, the Kraken. <laughs> so I, got, I got three words for you. <laughs> Colossal fucking squid. Yeah, that, that's kind of what... My idea is on it too. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's just, you know, it was a big squid that was attacking boats and they just kind of gave it the name the Kraken because they didn't yep. know what it was and yep. based it off of their, their mythology, basically. <laughs> yeah. There is, we thought that giant squid were pretty fucking huge, but recently we found some colossal squid that are almost indescribably huge. These, fucking monsters like mega shark versus giant octopus style octopuses but but they're, <laughs> act- but they're actually squid it's not octopuses there is a difference 
But, um, yeah, I think it's clearly people seeing that off the bow of their ship and thinking, like, what happens if that attacked our ship or whatever, or something really did and, you know, somebody survived to tell the tale or something like that. There's no way, like, if we think of... I mean, in something like... um like Clash of the Titans or Wrath of the Titans, whichever one had the Kraken in that. <laughs> yeah. That, that <laughs> giant, like, 500-foot-tall crab monster thing. No. Go, go fuck yourself. It's a giant squid. It's got <laughs> It's got to be something like a giant squid. It's some big, like, Cthulhu-looking motherfucker. Well, and even to, like, you know, in the last, you know, however many, 10, 15 years, they didn't even really have a way to discover those and prove that they existed. Absolutely, so yeah. There was the giant squid and then there's a colossal squid, which is even bigger. So there's still, again, it goes to show that they're still discovering stuff at the bottom of the ocean. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, in, that's indisputable, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, she seemed to agree on that one. Yeah, well, as, as I was thinking, as I was going through those ones, I kind of think that it'd probably be similar with those mythical ones yeah based on like what they have now and that so um well okay and then we'll go to the next one unicorns <laughs> literally no idea <laughs> my idea for unicorns is that probably there is some kind of like moose or deer or something that had one antler and that's where it came from you know, may not have been like a wild horse because there is, you know, well, obviously there's wild horses, but wild horses. (laughs) But there is like, sorry, couldn't resist. You know, the, it could have easily been like a moose or a deer, an elk or some kind of one in that species that only had one antler, you know, way back hundreds of years ago. And that's where the myth of the unicorn came from. Somehow someone combined that, in their head, you know, to be like a horse, but it was like an elk with the one antler and they hadn't seen it with one. And it could have just been, you know, a deformity where it only was born with one. And that's where the one horned wild horse came from. And then just evolved from there, the myth. <laughs> yeah, that's totally possible. I mean, things like elk and stuff lose their horns in, in combat. I mean, not regularly, but regularly enough that we have actual documented evidence of it and stuff like the the males will fight with their with their horns and their antlers and stuff and and lose half and they'll snap off and stuff like that so yeah i think that's the most reasonable example isn't it really that kind of make that kind of makes the most sense to me and there is i mean the other way too where it was like with rhinos and stuff and how they only have like the one horn yeah. And it could have been that, but that's more, like, I could see that more evolving into some kind of lizard instead of, like, a horse. A magical yeah. horse with one horse. Yeah, r- r- rhinos are pretty, pretty far away from horses and, and reptiles and stuff like that. But I, I love the idea, I wonder if you think there's a, like, a three panel webcomic of a horse walking past, uh, like a little lake thing, and then a narwhal coming up, and a narwhal giving it, like, a little <laughs> wink, and then the next panel is just unicorn. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. And that's, like, that's another really weird one. Narwhals, to me, it's always strange to me that they actually exist. They, they look so made up, don't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, it's a unicorn whale. No, fuck off with a unicorn whale. Yeah. That doesn't exist. It does. It's a real thing. Look. Like, oh, Wow, that really is a real thing. That's crazy. Like, if anything, that seems like it would be a mythical creature and not something that's real. Absolutely. Can we but... can we sw- can we get real Bigfoots and and make narwhals 
like not real. That would make so much more sense. But then, see, you look at that. So then, it kind of leads to things that, like, maybe things like Nessie are real because narwhals exist. <laughs> <laughs> That's your argument for everything. Well, narwhals are real, and they look fucking weird. Yeah, they're like platypus. <laughs> It just got messed up along the way. <laughs> well, then the last one I have is the one that we kept bringing up to you, and I know you're just itching to talk about is dragons. Fuck yeah. Dragon, <laughs> dragons are awesome. So explain like, dragons. I used to love dragons when I was a kid. I was really into dinosaurs and I was really into dragons. I like big reptiles for some reason. Uh, big, <laughs> big lizards. <laughs> I like big lizards and I cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> Your archaeologists can't deny. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I'm doing all the singing today for some reason. I've rapped, yeah. I've sung. Um, anyway, dragons, yeah. Um, it's, there's a amazing, amazing book that is, um, I, I can't remember it's, what it's called. I'm just going to look it up now. Um, it's called Something in the History of Dragons, I think. Um, and it's it's a fake it's as if they existed in real life and it's all about what and then it kind of ties them into real things that have existed in real life so like chinese dragons look very different from like the eastern yeah far eastern depictions of dragon look very different to our western dragons which you think of if you think of smaug in the hobbit perfect example of a western dragon is this big lizard style creature whereas the chinese dragons are a lot thinner a lot slender kind of almost have more cat kind of dog-like faces and stuff like that um and this book ties everything into what they could have possibly evolved from and what they have evolved into now and it is i think it's called natural history of dragons and it is hilarious and fascinating because it treats them as if they're real and actually ties them into real life animals like this is a dinosaur that could have eventually turned one of these things and actually these the the asian style of um dragons are far more like these kinds of animals than these kinds of animals and it's very unlikely that they're related at all they just kind of have similar names and stuff like that <laughs> but again dragons is a thing that exists like you said before that like, across the world mm -hmm. yeah and it's definitely something that is inherently in us to be afraid of as big scary lizard type things that will fuck you up and just eat you and your family and your entire tribe or your entire village or whatever <laughs> they have they actually exist. komodo dragons are a real thing and they do that they you you build your little um like village up high off the ground so you're not getting eaten by ants and stuff like that but then the komodo dragons climb up Steal your children one by one, dragging them out of their beds. This actually happens in real life. Like this year, it happens. Dragons. Here's some Komodo dragons stole some children. Seriously, yeah, yeah. It was documented in India. I think it was maybe last year or this year or fairly recently. Fucking scary stuff. But the fact that dragons kind of spread across the world and yeah like you mentioned before there there's stories of it in the in the west and in the east and mm -hmm. in in far reaching parts of the world again i think it's all kind of like our inherent fear of these big scary animals that can really fuck you up and then kill your family and stuff like that it's something we're inherently protective against and and, and afraid of 
the weird thing with dragons, though. So, okay, so you look at, like, Bigfoot and Sasquatch and Yeti, and it's kind of like North America, Europe, Asia, literally across the whole world. Dragons, there really isn't a history of dragons in North America. That's a good point, actually. It pretty much yeah. ends at Europe. So it's yeah, like there's the, there's the European continent. and there's the Asian dragons, and that's about it, isn't it? Like, I don't even think South America has dragons either that I can think of. So it's pretty much concentrated on the one, you know, other giant half of the world, the Europe-Asia continent half of it. <laughs> but they pretty much only end there. And with dragons, too, what if it just happened to be they were, you know, kind of the last of the dinosaurs, the leftover dinosaurs, that somehow ended up there was some kind of species that were around the same time as people were starting to write or draw, you know, like cavemen, heiress ones exactly, kind of yeah. crossed over. So they were the last of that, and then because they were still type of, you know, giant lizards, that's what people think of as dragons now. And they yeah. just kind of took it into their own culture because, you know, like you said, the European dragons are different than the Asian dragons. So it kind of just goes into how their culture is and their way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's certainly plausible. I mean, it there, there wasn't any crossover, and, un, you know, contrary to a lot of people's beliefs, unfortunately, there was no crossover between humanity and dinosaurs. There are, we, we're constantly <laughs> pushing... Flintstones didn't exist. Exactly. Um, that wasn't real. <laughs> we're constantly pushing back how early we think humanity was around. Like, um, fairly recently, we thought, like, oh, it's about 200,000 years, and then we pushed it back for, like, a million and a half years. We found, you know, Homo sapien things that were a lot older, significantly older than anything we found before, and it kind of implies that we've been around a lot longer than we thought, but... You know, dinosaurs haven't been around for hundreds of millions of years, and that is big gap. Even even in the scope of things in in the in the world and the, the history of the planet as we know it, a hundred million years isn't you know anything to to sniff at. If it was a few thousand years, then there's possibly some crossover and stuff like that. But millions of years seems quite unlikely. But there certainly could be large reptilian species we have yet to discover, or certain reptilian species, particular breeds of crocodiles, something like that, because they've been around the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Crocodiles and sharks are prehistoric, literally. They've been around for hundreds of millions of years, basically unchained, because they're the ultimate killing machines, and there is a reason to be afraid of crocodiles and alligators and stuff like that, because they will fuck you up, and they are really, really scary and intimidating. And They look like dinosaurs. They are dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not literally. But they just, actually like they still look like them too. Yeah, before my archaeologist peeps out there, start having a go. They're not literally dinosaurs, but they are prehistoric, big, scary lizards and reptiles and stuff. So yeah, I think it is a combination of seeing like a big, scary flying thing and thinking like, uh oh, that looks scary, and then maybe a komodo dragon or a crocodile or something, and thinking, you know, that's going to eat my family. <laughs> and, and kind of building it up as this huge myth. And if you kill one, think of like how much, like we have a whole thing, our, our patron saint of England is St. George, the guy who was renowned for fighting this dragon. Which is fucking ridiculous for a start. <laughs> and it's full on like fighting an actual like Smaug style dragon, not, not some little thing. But if, if you killed a crocodile and saved your family, 
I'd put money on the guy and be like, oh, dude, it was like 50 feet long. It was yeah. breathing fire. It was fucking crazy, man. I took it on, man against beast, and I just, I just stabbed it in the face. I just, I just felt so alive. <laughs> I protected my family, and they're like bigging yourself up and stuff. It's like, dude, it was a crocodile. We get it. <laughs> but, but to them, uh, it's huge. Exactly, yeah, that's how rumours and, and myths and legends spread, isn't it, really? Exaggerations and things like that. So I think we pretty much agree on that one. Yeah, we seem to agree on the mythical beasts. Yeah, and not so much on the other ones. Although, <laughs> I mean, it seems like you'd be pretty easy to convince about Bigfoot. No. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm as equally convinced on all of them if I see actual evidence. That's all it takes. Yeah, but you, but you want to believe in Bigfoot. Hmm. You just you just don't want to admit it being science. <laughs> you just don't want to put that out there no, that, and say out loud that you believe yeah. in Bigfoot. I've got, I've got my reputation as a as a scientist to uphold, exactly. of course. Clearly. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a good try trying to defeat my Mandy logic. I still like my theories. <laughs> <laughs> I still like my theories of Nessie's pods and hiding in the ocean. Sneaky pods. <laughs> yeah. The pods and the podcast and podception. <gasps> the Loch Ness Monster podcast. It all makes sense. <laughs> Probably is one. I'm sure there is. There's a I podcast there's, for literally everything. I think there's like webcams on Loch Ness too. There is, yeah, yeah. Or you could sit there and watch. It's like the ghost ones, the ghost webcams. Oh, we should have talked about ghosts and aliens. We next time we'll talk about ghosts and aliens and all that sort of stuff as well. Well, we kind of talked a little bit about ghosts and the time travel one. Yeah, that's true. But there's plenty more for us to talk about, Mandy. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be back to the more to be. To... Nope, this is it. This is the last time. Oh God! <laughs> I didn't tell you. <laughs> I'm never having you on again. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you disagree with me so much because you won't admit that Bigfoot's real or Nessie. I can kind of yeah. let Chupacabra go. Fuck Chupacabra. But it's all about Bigfoot and Nessie. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously we're not going to decide on who's. The clear winner of this. But I feel like I'm wearing you down on Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> and people can decide if yes. anyone wants to get Listeners out there, <laughs> tweet at me. I'm at JLW Chambers and let me know if you support me in my scientific <laughs> endeavors or if you're crazy and you support Mandy Logic <laughs> at, at Cyanide with two N's and you can tweet at her and support and include me as well because I'm I'm always up for a Twitter argument as I'm sure <laughs> anybody who's ever heard me on the Intercomics podcast will know. Yeah, exactly. And see, I'd like to bring it back to again with the Colossal Squid because for years people didn't say it existed. There was a Giant Squid and the Colossal Squid which is hey, hey, bigger. You, run, you, you can't bring it back round. <laughs> the debate is finished. No. You can't keep arguing. <laughs> I keep arguing I'm a woman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I do. Hold on. Are you allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> I have my own kind of logic, and I will argue to the end. <laughs> Your poor husband. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we'll leave it up to the listeners. Well, thanks. Well, Thanks very much for having me on again, and I'm sure I'll be back on to discuss aliens and various other things. Aliens and ghosts and other kind of crazy debates. Exactly, you, yeah. You bring your science and I bring my logic. Exactly. <laughs> I think we should, we should get um, the the listeners who don't know and have listened to the show. I'm, I, I was briefly mentioned in the podcast with Susie and with Matt as well, who are two friends of mine. So yeah. I'd love to get I'd love to get them because I know Susie 
how I met Susie was doing my degree in astrophysics. So she's equally a woman of science like me. But I don't know when <laughs> You're that... a woman of science. Yeah, yeah, I'm a woman of science. Um, <laughs> but I don't know where Matt sits on the whole thing, so I quite he, like to get... He said that he believes in Nessie. See? So... I fuck it, and fucking Wilmo. I never trust him. Yep. So that, uh, that would be good. You can have see? Susie and I'll have Matt. We'll have a bigger debate. That sounded really creepy. <laughs> It usually turns into that, doesn't it? Yep. <laughs> well, sure thanks again for coming on about the debate. You're welcome. The monsters. I'm, a, I'm always up for a monster debate. <laughs> a monster debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah if, we, if we get if we get all four of us on, then we could have a mass debate. <laughs> a master monster debate. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that'll eventually be in the works. <laughs> <laughs> And as usual, you can find me online on Twitter at Sinai with two N's, LittleGeekLoss.com, or on iTunes by searching Little Geek Loss. 